Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and puppets that are important to you. If you didn't already know, and I can't understand why you wouldn't, unless you're listening to this show on a stolen phone or a computer, but this is the People Are the Enemy podcast. I'm the host of the program. My name is Andy Mascola. Myself and Rachel Hathaway, a.k.a. Rachel from Des Moines, who produces and performs Rachel's Char Chat, the segment which follows my own, make up this show that has had at least one new episode faithfully recorded, uploaded, and distributed every week since January 1st, 2018. There have never been any ads on People Are the Enemy, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily, and get yourself or the reader in your life some quality fiction, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of 10 novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find all 10 of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, M A S C O L A. That's how you'll find me on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my stories, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. the enemy listeners this is episode 277 of the people are the enemy podcast thank you so much for checking it out this is a great episode to listen to if over the last 15 years or so you've spent a healthy portion of your time listening to the best show with tom sharpling or its former iteration the best show on wfmu with tom sharpling then there's a good chance you've been privy to a phone call from our guest today zach walliner and his puppet wally wackyman Beginning around the fall of 2009, Zack, or Z-Man, as Tom lovingly nicknamed him, and Zack's puppet, Wally Wackyman, began becoming regular callers of what was then the best show on WFMU. The pair were so popular with listeners that Wally Wackyman was at one time considered by Tom to be his protege. This led to Wally co-hosting a couple best show fill-in programs called Man and Wackyman, a show Wally did with the producer-director Rob Hatch-Miller. Folks, I have tried for years to get Zach to follow me back on Twitter so that I could privately direct message him to invite him on People Are the Enemy. And this was in order to avoid the potential public embarrassment of being either A, ignored, or B, rejected. Well, friends, I'm pleased to tell you, Zach recently followed me back on Twitter, and I was able to privately DM him and invite him to speak with me for an episode of this podcast, and to, to, my, to my delight... He said yes, at which point I decided to press my luck and ask Z-Man if we could also speak with Wally Wackyman, and Zach said we could if he was up for it. Now, as a huge fan of The Best Show, for what will be 20 years this year, you can only imagine how thrilled I am to speak with Zach Walliner and Wally Wackyman. So without any further ado, let's speak now with 
Zach, Walliner, Z-Man, and Wally Wackyman. Hello, hello, fellas, are you there? Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you so much for, for giving me your time today, Zach. This is this is so, so special. Oh, thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Is, is, is Wally there also, Zach? Yeah, hey, I'm here. How's it going, Andy? All right. It's nice to talk with you, Wally. You sound wonderful. Oh, you too. Yeah, I, um, I should say I really uh, enjoyed that theme music. I, I couldn't make heads or tails of the lyrics, but I was bobbing my head along to the beat. Oh, that's wonderful. You know what, Wally, I have never been able to make heads nor tails of those lyrics either. I, I You know, I hope they're not, you know, something uh, potentially offensive. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would hope not too, because, I mean, one thing you've got going for you is I, I quite like the name of your podcast. It's quite fitting. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, I imagine as a puppet, that's a, that's appropriate. All too often, I find people are the enemy. They're the ones who you know run the place, and then you know controlling us and telling us what to say and do, and just you know we don't we don't really have much say in the matter, and we're always just you know following along or being shoved in a bag when we're not needed, and uh, it's it's not great. But uh, you know, maybe one day we will rise up and uh, find equality. I like that message, Wally. I I really do. Zach, Zach, do you, if you don't mind, Wally, I'm just going to ask Zach a question now. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. sure. Okay. Zach, do, do you remember how you were first introduced to The Best Show? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was definitely through, um, my older brother, Jason. I'm the middle of three brothers, uh, my younger brother, Harry, and my older brother, Jason. I also, uh, quick, uh, just actually, it's a, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm correcting you, but... Oh, no, it's um, please, okay, go ahead, because no, uh, honestly... In the introduction, yeah, yeah, you had mentioned about Z-Man, that, uh, it wasn't Tom who, who came up with it, it was um, my younger brother, Harry, he went by the oh. H-Man, he was, um, he was, you know, in, early in his college uh, time, he, he was doing radio at the college, and that was his on-air name, and I think, though, I think when he started... When he came in one time to the studio, Jason brought him down to Jersey and he was, you know, sort of half co-hosting an episode with Tom. That was the first time, you know, he had gone into the studio and he was saying he was the H-Man. And um, so, I mean, he probably, maybe it was, I think the whole uh, initial and man or initial and something after was kind of just nicknames between us three brothers initially. And then he took that and made it his radio name, which he then went on to use in college. But so he was using it as his portion of being a co-host on his episode. And my, that was when I, I made my first ever call into the best show was just sort of a show of support. And I said, Hey, you know, when I picked up the phone, Hey, who's this? And I said, Hey, H man, it's the Z man and stuff. Oh. Cause I was also not going to, I didn't want to go, Hey, it's your brother, Zach here. You know, I, I didn't want to make it some obvious thing. So I was, you know, I was showing show support while also having some, anonymity for people that didn't know better so that's how i got the h-man just sort of following along with that pattern and it kind of stuck with um you know my history throughout the best show and all those years since and sometimes i just called in and been zach because i was just like well i didn't want it to just be sort of like this copy of him but also i'm not going to say zach warner because full names are usually like celebrities <laughs> i'm not really at that level you know i mean people if people know me it's typically through the best show so i'm not going to be uh, some higher level celebrity. Obviously, my older brother Jason. He's a film director and t television director. So when he's on, he's usually on as a guest, and he's Jason Walner, and so that's a difference. But yeah, so uh, long story short, 
that's how Z-Man came about. I, I appreciate I appreciate that uh, the history of the moniker and you correcting me, Zach. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, like I was saying, Jason. I don't know how he first discovered the best show. I know he's a huge Yola Tango fan, and they have their annual thing that they would do for the fundraising, where they would you know take requests for people contributing. So I don't know if he discovered WFMU through that and then found Tom, or there was something through um, like the special thing comedy message board online. I'm not sure Jason's path with the best show 100%, but as time went along, he would, you know, sometimes we'd all be in the car together, he would drive some, I have a particular memory of him going to Ikea, and all three of us brothers were there in the car with him, and he played a clip where, I don't know if Tom was down, as he sometimes was here and there throughout the run of the show, and he started singing um, an Elton John song, so that he just started singing that, Someone saved my life tonight. I Sugar remember Bear. that. And, and the clip that I, I just have that memory of going to Ikea and hearing this clip of Tom doing that. And then I think little by little, he played some of the Sharpling Worcester clips from their CD compilations and things like that. I know the Audio Guru and Chocolageddon were among the early things I was familiar with. And then it was when Harry had that opportunity uh, to go in that Tom, you know, came in and he was the original sort of protege tom said you know when i'm done with the show i'm going to give it to you and then you know i'll mold you like clay and be my successor and this is you know years and years ago now um but so then that was my first foray dipping my toes in the water calling to support harry and then things went in the direction they did from there very cool thank you for that that was that was great what a what a sweet sweet memory Mm-hmm. Was was the gathering of the friends of Tom the first time Wally met Tom in person, Zach? That's the first time Wally was basically anywhere in public at all. Oh, that wow. that that rooftop gathering on the Iron Monkey, which is you know blocks away from the FMU studio in uh, Jersey City. Um, you know, I had I think I'd only called once, maybe uh, where I mentioned Wally before that. I don't know if there was. Yeah, because I don't think. Wally, I don't think, ever called in prior to that because Wally was not really a known quantity. But it was, I don't know if it was my second ever call where, like, after some time had gone by since the Harry call and then I called again. It was, um, you know, late 08, I think. And, you know, I just called in just to, you know, start my time as a caller in and of myself, not connected to Harry or anything else. And, you know, we start talking, me and Tom, and I'm talking about, uh, what's going on in my life? And I say, well, I've got a new girlfriend, and that is my now wife of uh, uh, coming up on twelve years in June. And then also, I've you know got this puppet I recently finished making. And so then that that then that call is the one and only time that Wally's voice has appeared on the best show when he's not actually physically been present there. I, you know, Tom asked for like, oh, can I get a little taste of it? You know, a little hint. And so I did a quick, um, you know, line, kind of probably the, oh, how are you kind of thing um, that, you know, he's, he's always friendly, you know, right? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I usually, when I when I talk to someone like Tom or Andy, I go, oh, hey, how are you? How's it going? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was like that. Though his initial voice was a little different. You know, I think it, it kind of changed and grew over time as as things do. Sure, sure. Um, and I think it was a little more emphasis on the Jewiness of it. You know, I'm Jewish. I'm, pr- I'm proud of my heritage. 
And when I came up with the character, he's Wally Wackerman. It's, it's, you know, kind of a combination of wacky and man, but it also sounds like a Jewish last name, you know, Wackerman, you know, so that, that was part of his uh, character when I was first coming up with the character. So I think he, he had a little bit more of that going on than maybe he does now super outwardly, but that was in that call. I kind of gave that little example, but every other time you've heard Wally on a call in studio, he's been there for it. That was the one exception. Um, yeah, so then after that, you know, I, I decided if I'm going to go to this gathering of, of fans of the best show, the FOT, Friends of Tom, um, let me bring him along and just see where that goes. So I, I packed him up uh, and I brought him in this purple NYU laundry bag that I just had for years because it was just, that came about as his like sort of home because it was just a nice, simple place to put him and have him secure and not out and exposed to like elements, dust and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it was just something available. People were like, Whoa, did you go I remember at, the, at the gathering on the roof? People like, Oh, did you go to NYU? And I'm like, no, why? And then they point out this bag and I'm like, Oh yeah, right now. Yeah. It's just something my mom bought in the city <laughs> one day. And so then that became his home just to keep him sort of safe and secure. And so then I took him with me and I, and before the show ended, I called in and Tom's like, Oh, do you have your puppet with you? And I'm like, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I go there and people, you know, this is before I knew anybody in the larger community. So these people are kind of giving me sideways looks a little and stuff like that and wondering what my deal is. And then, you know, little by little, I get into it. And then after the show, Tom arrives, John was there, uh, Ted Leo, uh, John Hodgman, Lisa Jane Persky, I think Julie Klausner, but it was before I really knew her. So I don't remember 100%, but I think she might have been there. But, uh, yeah, and then I ended up taking him out, and that's when I first met John, uh, you know, Tom's comedy partner, for those who don't know. And, um, and yeah, I got some pictures. One thing I'm very upset about, um, at one point on YouTube, there was a video of, you know, it was just a short clip, but there was video, you know, evidence from that evening. And it has a little bit of me, and, and while he's talking, I think it was just like the cutoff end of a conversation talking about Jeff Dunham as, you know, uh, Tom often joked at the expense of Jeff Dunham. He's this, you know, big puppeteer ventriloquist. And, you know, he's got all sorts of these characters that Tom kind of mocks. And there was a video clip on YouTube and then it went missing one day. It was just gone. And I was looking on the, the old friends of Tom message board and trying to find the person and trying to remember the, the person's username, searching high and low and no luck whatsoever. And then I even realized who it was and I contacted her and, you know, uh, she eventually started doing some puppet stuff. And we actually, the one time I basically really collaborated with someone else doing puppet stuff, I did something with her a few years back that was fun. But she couldn't, you know, track down the video at all. And I'm just, you know, I like, I'm a very sentimental guy. And especially with something like Wally, who's like, you know, uh, you know, this this main creative, uh, you know, expression, this form of expression of mine. And so to have video from that very first night, his first public appearance for you know people um it would have been really special to have so i do have pictures you know thankfully people took pictures um and they posted on that message board and i've saved them uh but uh, you know the video it's you know out in the ether maybe it'll somehow pop up again for for the, the woman who uh who took it maybe she'll discover it and send it to me but uh i'm not getting my hopes up but but yeah you know it was it was a very special night and it, it really kick-started uh everything that came after very nice, very nice. Now, now, Zach, you mentioned 
you mentioned Wally's voice, and one question I wanted to ask Wally is uh, if, if um, you know, Tom has been known to do an impression of you, Wally. Now, yeah, definitely. Have, have you have you heard Tom's impression? And and if so, how do you how do you feel about it? Oh, have I ever? I mean, I I probably heard every time he's done it. I mean, we we listen to every episode, um, unless he's doing it somewhere else than the best show, which I can't imagine. I think I probably heard every time. Um, for what it's worth, I do think it's on the upper tier of people who try to do impressions of me. It's it's pretty good. Sometimes maybe he goes a little overboard and exaggeration. I mean, caricature impression involves exaggeration sometimes, so I get it. But um, yeah, I think overall he does it pretty good when he when he tries. Um, and yeah, some people uh, not so much. But I, yeah, you know, I, it doesn't bother me. He's usually doing it, you know, with love, kind hearted, and you know. Uh, typically that's the vibe, but, um, yeah, so I, I don't begrudge him for, you know, we you know, mostly done in a teasing way as he is so often, uh, known to do. Very good. Very good. Wally, I, I know you and Zach most for your calls into the best show. Do you two call into any other shows? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've not really been involved. There was one thing that was best show tangential that, some podcast where it was they were asking people to call in i think with memories of the best show some podcast with people they were they were just like learning about the best show or something there was something that i i sent like a message in for it but um i don't think i've really done anything else uh than that uh, what what about you um well, i mean i don't think really any call and stuff you know obviously he you know he's he's like a podcast because you know he does the show and then it becomes a podcast but it's a radio show online now, but you know, it was a radio show for years and years, uh, you know, like 13 years it was on, you know, terrestrial radio on, you know, WFMU, you know, local freeform station out of Jersey. And, um, so that was, you know, calling and that's why, it's, you know, they were able to take that going forward in the new version and they, you know, managed to keep that portion of it. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, I've appeared on a few other podcasts. It's funny, this this past few, like, week or two, I've actually done a few. This is the third one I've done in, in, the, in the past couple of weeks. And I typically am not on very many podcasts. But, you know, in the past, I was on a few from my friend Anthony um, talking comic book stuff. Oh, sure. He's been and on this show. Anthony? Yes, the fellow who made the movie, right? The documentary? Yes. Yeah. Oh, how am I just learning of this? Yeah, I think I saw you in the movie, too. Well, which movie? This is the one... Shoot, I, it's a documentary film that he made all about this comic book store that was closing. Oh, okay, so the original one, his first film. Mm-hmm. My Comic Shop documentary. Yes, that was it, that was it. Did you find him through me, or was it separate? Oh, I believe I was hip to, to him through this fellow in Australia. Um, oh, Dan from Orange. Dan, Dan uh, from Dan Orange, Pritchett. yes. Who's also a comic book guy like yourself and myself. And, oh, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good friend. He's uh, he's always been one of me and Wally's biggest supporters and uh, forever grateful. He he uh, recommended Anthony and talked about his, his uh, documentary. And I, I saw the documentary and uh, I was able to speak with Anthony. That was a, that was a great conversation. He was very astute and uh, a nice, nice guy. I really enjoyed that. Oh yeah, he's great, and he's really gone on to really. He, he has like a whole like mini like network all his own of shows he's done, and he's kind of become like you know well known more. He his 
his more recent documentary, he actually found it, you know, distri- distribution for it. And it's like, you know, available online, I think through Amazon or other places. So, you know, um, and he's also just known within the comic fandom, especially Superman fandom. He's real big on Superman. Yes. That's how he first got into comics was, uh, you know, he was a kid. The death of Superman storyline is what first pulled him in. And he's told the story many times. And now, you know, it was just Superman's 85th anniversary just within the past week or so. And he, you know, for, you know, this website, he's writing a post about it. And he's written, you know, several pieces uh, on Superman on, on websites and things. So, you know, and people, you know, tend to really enjoy his, his work and in, in the podcasts he's done. And so he's, he's gotten a following for himself. And, you know, I'm very glad for him and stuff, uh, you know, that he's achieved since then. Because, you know, he, you know, he made that first documentary and it was just all self-taught. He did not go to film school or do anything, really. He just kind of looked up some of the basics and get some equipment and, you know, shot it, you know, very, you know, low budget. Obviously, it was not some big production. And then from there, he did a short documentary about, it was almost like a spinoff of that one about this older guy, sort of this sort of curmudgeonly character who had been running this booth in a flea market in Westchester, New York. And then they're closing it down. And it was following that process and what was becoming of him. And then that, after that, then he did the one on me and Wally. So he did, man, uh, no. I'm thinking of the show me and me and Rob Hatch Miller did Man and Wacky Man. He did uh, Wacky Man, Rise of a Puppeteer. And so that was not as short as, as the previous one, which was called By Spoon about a guy named Jay Mizell. But it was it was it was maybe like 80 minutes or something in the final cut. Um, but it was, you know, about my efforts to try to find a find a path into professional puppetry and my history with Wally and stuff like that. Um, and then after that, he went and made the bigger um, My Comic Shop Country, which is, you know, the one that kind of got picked up and got more notice, uh, more noticeable for him. And um, so, yeah, that's that's sort of where he's uh, gone in his, his film work. When, when you uh, first talked to him and, and, you know, about the initial documentary, were you aware of my involvement beforehand or was it just something you kind of discovered while you watched it? I think just while I watched it, I recognized you in a scene. Okay. Yeah. Did you watch Wacky Man? I did not. Okay, well, yeah, you're going to have to have to follow up and do that. Let no me know doubt. what you think. No doubt. Shame on me. <laughs> Zach, would, would it be all right if I asked Wally another question? Oh, look, hey, you know, I mean, you, you can just ask me. You don't, oh, okay, need, okay, very you, good. You don't need his permission, and I don't need his permission. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, Wally, you, you know, you're not the only puppet associated with The Best Show. You know, there, there's Gary, yeah. Gary the yeah. Squirrel, and Gary's uh-huh. prog rock loving roommate Vance, and then, then we've got AP Mike's puppet Skeevy, and uh, and if, I can't forget Billy the vaping ventriloquist puppet. Oh, I kind of did forget Billy. Yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't hear much from him. Well, Wally, have you have you been able to meet any or all of these other puppets and spend any time with them? Um, I think I interacted with Gary at like the second to last FMU show, which was that year's holiday party. I think I talked to him then uh, directly. Um, I don't think I've ever ever directly met or spoken with Vance um, or Skeevy or definitely not Billy. Billy is, he was down the road a bit and he was mainly just for the little bits that Tom did with him <laughs> on occasion while he could still breathe. Yes. <laughs> 
Zach, Zach, from your house, I've I've heard you you call into the best show, obviously, and I've heard Wally, and uh, recently I've heard Penny, who's uh, the newest member of your your household to call into the best show. I I should mention that Penny will sometimes call into the best show as SpongeBob SquarePants, and I hope I'm not <laughs> blowing up her spot on that. Wait, that was her. Uh, was was that her? Or was I mistaken? Was that actual SpongeBob SquarePants? <laughs> hey, I mean, the person talking really seemed to know their stuff. They, they did. They absolutely SpongeBob did. Look, and down, look. If so, it, I mean, I, I can. I, I mean, you know, if it's a secret identity, you know, like I said, Zach, I'm a comic book guy like you, so I can respect that. <laughs> and then Peppa Pig, I think, called the next. Week. <laughs> That's right. So, so these cartoon characters did show up shortly before Penny became like a more regular presence. So, I mean, if there's a connection, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe, maybe not, you know? Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep we'll keep a secret if we need to, huh? <laughs> now, the best show broadcasts live, as you mentioned, on, on Tuesday nights. It's a school night, and it usually doesn't get going until after 9.30 p.m. or so. <laughs> does, does Penny stay up to listen to the entire show? No. No, basically... When she's inclined to take part in the show, I make sure to call, like, at 9. I sometimes have called before, but they usually don't take the call and it gets disconnected. I guess they want to just be fair or whatever, or they're just still working out the kinks to get everything technical up and running. So I try to get get as close to 9 as possible. Because I found in the past, even when I tried to call, I've I've had a lot of difficulty in the past when I wanted to call about something, where, like, if, if you don't call early, it's impossible to get through. Like they have like four lines and if you try call, you know, if I'm busy with something and then I try to call them towards the middle, like, you know, I don't know, 10 ish, you get a busy signal nonstop. And then it's just about calling repeatedly until you happen to time it right. Like if you hear a call winding down and it's on a delay. So you, as soon as you hear a call about to wind down, you try calling then you might grab it between Tom disconnecting with that person and Tom picking up someone else or someone else calling. So it's, you know, I've had moments like that or I've had times where I gave up after a while or times where I've been on hold for a long time and I gave up because, you know, you never know when Tom's going to go to you. And uh, though I was one time given the hotline because something was happening where I was getting disconnected my phone, uh, Tom had Jason Dudio Gore uh, send it to me online. And, you know, I used it for that, but I don't abuse the privilege because I still... I don't know if anyone would argue this. I don't feel worthy of that. You know, again, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a celebrity. You know, I've, you know, and, and Wally, me and, and Wally, Wally's, you know, fam- more famous than me, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd be, I'd be inclined to, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. No question there. Yes. So, yeah, you see. Um, so even if I was to think to allow him to use it, like, oh, hey, Wally's calling, get Wally straight through. Even with that, I'm hesitant to take advantage because I, well, I, one, I don't know how Tom would take it. Hey, what? Why are you on the hotline? <laughs> so I don't know. So I just, I just call him like anybody else. Um, but yeah, so with Penny, we try to call him right away, and, and typically it works. And we'll hear Pat, Pat Byrne, who works on the show. He's the, you know the call screener these days. Uh, we'll get on the line, we'll wait, and listen. And thankfully. I think with the current system, you know, you could see, Tom can see who the caller is. And, you know, I think they were, there's a, you know, caller ID so that, you know, even, you know, when Pat picks up, he knows it's someone from my household. He asks typically if it's Penny or if it's me or if it's possibly Wally. And then Tom can see, and I think Tom 
probably has the mindset of what you're indicating that he sees. Oh, well, let me get this out of the way so she can go to sleep, basically, because she's she's not going to stay up long and stuff. And I think there have been times where maybe we're on hold for a while and it was getting iffy and, you know, and then, oh, say he takes a call from John, you know, that's going to be like a half hour. So, uh, sorry, Penny, it's bedtime maybe next week. So, yeah, she typically doesn't stay up past you know, when she finishes the call, if she calls it. And thankfully, it typically works out that if she does call and she gets through, it is like the first call. And then, you know, we, we get things out of the way. And yeah, so that's how it works out typically. Very good. Very good. Zach and Wally, uh, the best show in its former iterations has been around now for over 20 years. And you too have both been calling in for the last 15 or so years. And many, many callers and characters have come and gone what do you think is the secret to your longevity? Um, I don't know if it's as much a secret. I mean, I've had my, my times uh, where I kind of backed off a little, and especially with Wally. Yeah, you know, sometimes you don't you don't feel it's, it's the right time, or, you know, you don't know what you, you don't have something to say. Yeah, that's sort of the guiding principle often, too, because, you know, there was a time when it was just, you know, Tom even indicated he felt like people were checking in, like it's taking attendance and it's just like calling for calling's sake. And I really learned from that, that it's, you know, don't do that. What's the point just to, to feel you're a part of things? Um, which, you know, I get that impulse, but, you know, I just learned if I have something to say, if I have something to bring to the table, then I call. And typically it's more me these days because, you know, I backed up, um, you know, having Wally call. And because also there were some times in the past where, you know, things with Wally and, and, you know, connections to the show, you know, maybe it was the right call to back it off a little because, you know, things, things have, there, there were a couple ups and downs along the path. But overall, um, yeah, yeah, I like to think more ups than downs. Yeah, yeah, overall, but still, you know, better to avoid any downs when you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but otherwise, you know, I've just been listening straight through you know i listen every week if i can't listen live like which is becoming more and more lately right now i just since we went up to my in-laws this weekend as me and you know my family do once in a while i was able to get through some more because i was a few weeks behind and since the pandemic started basically in uh you know march of 2020 i've no longer been commuting i was driving about an hour each way to and from work in stamford connecticut and so that was my prime podcast listening time. And so I definitely don't miss that commute at all, but it's also finding time to listen to podcasts. Um, you know, it's, it's much less frequent uh, nowadays. And so even like my friend Anthony, I used to try to listen to every episode of every podcast of his. I've not been up on that for a long time. You know, he started a whole strictly Superman-based podcast, and I don't know if I've heard much of that at all you know his first one which which i've been a guest on a couple of times that was about comics and comic culture and the comic store we met at that was the subject of that initial documentary i think i heard all of those but yeah then you know and then i'm trying you know uh besha was on sort of a hiatus for a little bit and then i kind of got into double threat which tom hosts with julie klausner and so then i you know i'm i get between you know the best show and that most of all but then there's other stuff that slips through uh, the cracks. But, you know, I try to, even if I'm a little behind, I try to keep up with the show as best I can. And, you know, I've just always enjoyed it. And, you know, it's all, it's, I actually wrote a piece um, upon the ending of the WFM show. And I said, like, the best show, a family affair. 
because really it's something that's been connected to, you know, my larger family, you know, almost everybody in my greater family now has called me my, you know, original, you know, close family. And now the new little family I made for myself. So, you know, Harry called Well, he was there first. No, actually he did call it. He called years before that when he was pretty young, it was about seeing Anchorman for his birthday. And I, I don't know if ever many people made the connection years down the road that that was the kid who ended up becoming H man. That was his call, and then he did the H-Man thing in studio. Jason's obviously been a guest, you know, physically present and calling probably also, I think. Um, and then I was. Um, my parents had both called on the WFMU version, uh, at least. Um, and, you know, uh, both of my brother's wives have called in at points, maybe only once each. Um, and now Penny's a part of it. So... Um, I tried to get my wife too. She's sometimes a little more reserved, a little more shy, or she doesn't know what to say. And then there was like one time where I think she had something for a topic and we're calling and we're on hold and we're hold. And then we hear John's voice and it was like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll try another time. So, you know, my wife still hasn't joined. And then there's, you know, my little guy who's kind of still too young. And so aside from that, and, and, you know, my nephews, Jason's two boys who are, you know, still pretty young themselves, everyone within the two immediate families um, has taken part in some form or another. So, you know, and, and, and Tom is a family friend. I mean, I first met Tom at uh, Jason's first wedding. That's when I first got to meet him uh, in person. And, um, you know, at that time I was kind of talking to him, how like I was also more, you know, a fan of his from Monk because that we were really watching Monk at that time, but obviously the best show too. Um, but from there, you know, then, you know, little by little, as I, I and Wally got involved in the show more, you know, I became more friendly with Tom. I mean, obviously he's much closer to Jason, um, because of their relationship and their connection. And now Tom's out there in California and, you know, he's at family events out there. My, you know, my, my family, I'm the last guy of my original immediate family on the East coast still, but you know, if they have a get together or like, you know, a birthday party for one of my nephews or something, Tom's there, you know, he's. He's like, you know, he's extended family himself now. So we, we're all very connected in that way. So the best show is just kind of this, this thread, you know, for all these years within uh, my greater family. And so that's why, you know, I just stay connected with it. And, um, you know, and it's fun too. And it's, it's, uh, it's, and also the community, the, the FOT, you know, FOT. Um, it's a lot of good people. And I've become friendly with so many people through the show. And, you know, even if I mostly just talk to them online through social media and stuff like that, you know, I feel like I know them and, and they know me for both from their interactions with me and from my appearances calling into the show or being in studio. Um, so, yeah, you know, you form these connections and you associate it all with this thing. So it's just something I just keep up with, really. That's so great. Wally, I, I wanted to get your feelings. We talked about a moment ago, you guys mentioned the ups and downs over the years. I wanted to get Wally's feelings about this fake Wally Wackyman caller who's been recently oh calling for the best show, impersonating you, oftentimes, yeah. oftentimes saying very unWally like things. Are, are you, are you flattered at all by this fake Wally impersonator or is it more of an annoyance? I mean, I don't know. I, should I be? I mean, I know they say imitation is the most, you know, sincere formal flattery, but, uh, uh, it's, it's not quite what this guy's a hundred percent going for. I mean, it's, 
it's a weak imitation. He's he's doing this thing calling himself Walter, where it's as if okay, so it was like I think the first time he called was the the sort of lighthouse confessions. So it was as if it was me calling in, but trying to not do a good job at being anonymous by having a name very close to my own uh, and coming up with these things. And he, and then he was just doing that same sort of shtick that um, Thomas teased me and, and Zach about, where it's like, oh. Sometimes this man is in control of me, and sometimes I'm in control of this man. And it was, it was, it's like, okay, uh huh, yeah, we've been there, done that, pal, you know. And it was funnier the first time, uh, when Tom actually, you know, did it in a more, you know, sort of teasing, friendly way. This is just, it's a lame impression that offers nothing new, adds nothing to the table, and just makes it sound like a creep. And I was surprised, Tom let him go for so long because tom you know he's known to not be a fan of people calling up and doing voices and doing bits you know he, he would typically hang up pretty quickly on someone like that so i was surprised i thought maybe he's just letting himself i mean letting the this guy whoever he is hang himself out to dry or what but he you know he gave him uh plenty of rope on that which i was surprised by and honestly i don't even know why they let him through when they're screening it's like well what's the purpose of screening this this is something you want on the show i don't i don't know i don't i don't get it really i mean people are probably gonna think oh you're just mad you don't like it but I, i'm just not impressed too i just don't i don't find it funny and not in a, in a better way like hey that's mean to me that's not funny no i just it's just lame it's just weak and lame and uh you know either try harder to, to make a good meaningful you know, imitation of me, where you you have something to say about it, or or just get off the phone and, and go on with your life. Okay, excellent, excellent. Thank you for those thoughts, and we, you know the fans know the true Wally. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm I'm glad to have this chance to speak out. I, I think I contemplated calling about it, but you know it's it's not worth it because again, people are going to misconstrue it and just think that I'm just being you know sour grapes or however you want to call it. And it's not worth where they already think a lot of the viewers, I mean, not viewers, the audience, the listening audience, sometimes thinks probably I just get too twisted about things because of things that have happened in the past. And, you know, uh, as I learned, you got to sometimes roll with it. And uh, so, you know, I, I just sort of roll my eyes with it on this guy. If, if I could, they kind of are in a locked position. But if I could, I'd roll my eyes. Because, uh, yeah, like I said, it's lame, it's weak. And it's just not worth calling in to Tom and complaining about it. Tom, he's not in control. They'd probably be like, "So what do you want me to do about it, huh? I don't, I don't. I'm not this guy's boss, huh? Why are you telling me? I, I can imagine him doing that. So, um, yeah, just not worth bringing up. You know, he wants to keep calling. They want to keep letting him through. I, you know, that's their, uh, you know, that's their right. But uh, I just don't. I don't see the appeal. Okay. Zach and Wally, do you guys have any uh, any special plans for the summer? Are you do you have a, a, a should we the best show fans be looking forward to more calls from you too? Uh, I mean, I can't really say. It's never never really a thing I plan in advance. Like I say, if I have something to say, um, you know, then I'll I'll think I'll try to call, and then if I get through, you know, I'll bring it up uh, again. I don't know if and when there be a chance for for Wally to participate. Um, because just the same. I mean, if it makes sense for him, as he is, as the puppet he is, to call in, then maybe he will try. But 
it doesn't it doesn't quite often happen as much as it used to. And in fact, honestly, the show itself there's not as many calls as it used to be. You know, by volume these days, the show it's it's changed and it's evolved, and it's a lot of you know Tom will have a music act and then maybe an interview, whether live or or pre recorded. And then he gets involved in stuff with the other guys. They just had that suck Olympics thing. And um, so you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe you get a sprinkling of calls or maybe you get an episode that's full of calls. It, uh, it's, it's not necessarily as call heavy as it once was. So, you know, it, it, you gotta, if you're going to go for it, you, you better know and you better, you better bring it. And uh, sometimes I just don't think I have what it takes um, or anything worth worthwhile to say but if i if i did yeah i would i would give it a shot and see see where it goes Excellent. yeah that's that basically he basically summed it up um you know i like calling i have fun with it but even now i've also kind of taken a back seat to my own daughter i mean you know she's she's uh you know she was she had that one call that was like super well received and rightfully so she is very funny she's very amusing and uh she was giving the Tom the business a little, and he was, you know, running along with it. And uh, so I like, you know, letting her express herself and almost living vicariously through that a little bit. But again, if I've got something to say, if there's a topic of relevance or something happened to me that I think would be worth bringing up on the show, then sure, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if I can get through. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, this has been so much fun. Thank you both so, so much for talking with me. I oh, really, it's over really already? Yeah. Yeah, you were oh. wonderful, Wally. Thank you so, oh, so oh, thank much. thank you. Oh, man, wow. Time flies. I could, I could keep going for another half hour. Oh, well, 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 listen, listen. I would love to have you back. So maybe we can right. schedule that. I wanted That'd to, be great. I wanted to tell our listeners that in the description of this show, you can find links to Zach's projects, one being Zany Zach's Magical Mayhem and Puppet Pandemonium, live shows for kids, and the other being Zach's Kerm Dubs YouTube channel, which features famous film quotes and scenes as brought to life by the world's most famous amphibian as performed by Zach Wallner. And uh, uh, again, you'll find links to both of those projects in the description again. Thank you, Zach, and thank you, Wally oh, Wackyman. You guys were oh, wonderful. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry, one, one quick thing. Oh, please, it's actually, please. Go ahead. It's not me. It's not me. <gasps> the Kerm the Dubs are edited together where it's Jim Henson doing Oh, I'm glad you corrected me. Thank you so much. No, sir. yeah, no, I, you know, uh, there's people out there, a dime a dozen, who do Kermit impressions on YouTube. I painstakingly edit together all sorts of cl existing clips of Jim Henson Kermit audio, which I've spent hours and hours transcribing and time stamping from, you know, the Muppet movies, the Muppet show, Muppet special, Sesame Street, and on and on and on, and then I cut them together to form the words and phrases. So, just just uh, you know, again, sorry oh, to correct. No, you, that's, I okay. Make sure that's okay. That's okay. Understood, Zach. I w I'm glad you made that distinction. Thank you so so much. And again, sure, and yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, for the shows, the live shows, you know, I'm trying to do for kids shows and things like that. Wally's involved with that too, just to make sure everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sort of the star puppet, of course. Of course, you know he's my first puppet that I built, uh, my main primary character. So he has a big role to play. If anyone would like to have Wally in that context, um, I'll be in my jester costume, and he'll be behind uh, the puppet stage along with some of my other puppet characters. So he's a part of that too. Awesome, 
awesome. And again, we'll include links so folks can find all that information. This has been so, so special, guys. Thank you again so, so much. Zach Walliner oh. and Wally Wackyman. Yes, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, too. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. And right now, what we're going to do is we're going to turn things over to Rachel Hathaway, a.k.a. Rachel from Des Moines, and she is going to give us the chart chat. So without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week, and I'd like to give a special hello and welcome to some new listeners, Jay David and Christine. Thanks so much for tuning in. Speaking of my great listeners, the topic for this week was inspired by a conversation with my friend Jill. When you add it all up, there have been a surprising number of TV show themes that made the Billboard Hot 100 over the years, from early 50s cop shows to the Nick and Disney Kids shows of the 2000s. This week, I want to cover the TV themes that charted in the 1970s. Starting off, song from the show Then Came Bronson. This is called Long Lonesome Highway, and it was performed by Michael Parks, who was an actor on the show. This is technically an ending theme. Um, I hadn't heard of this show before. It ran from September of 69 to April of 70, and the theme charted in the spring of 1970. It made it to number 20 in 12 weeks on the chart. I read up on the show a little bit. It was one of those where the character goes from town to town. He was like a motorcycle guy. Then the next big one was All in the Family, and the theme song is called Those Were the Days and performed, of course, by Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton. And on the label it says, As the Bunkers. They were the lead actors, and I read that it was odd that they were performing it on screen. There was different variations across the seasons, and Gene Stapleton put a little more oomph on her little screech that she did as, as it went on. Although there was, I read in the Wikipedia page that it only got a laugh the first time. All in the Family ran from January of 71 to April of 79, and the song peaked at number 43 in nine weeks on the chart. December of 71, January of 72. Uh, the next song is called The Men by Isaac Hayes, and that was from, the best I could tell, it was kind of like a framing device. There was uh, Thursday night programming was Assignment Vienna, Jigsaw, and the Delphi Bureau. So they would rotate every third week. You'd see an episode of that. So I guess if there was like a Chicago block and then one week it would be Chicago Fire, then Med, then PD. Uh, but Isaac Hayes did the theme for this. It made it to number 38 in nine weeks on the chart. It was in October of 72. Up next, I think this is kind of the one that really kicked it into gear for the 70s. Uh, the Rockford Files from the show of the same name by Mike Post composed by him and Pete Carpenter, and it won the 1975 Grammy for Best Instrumental Arrangement. And the show Rockford Files aired from September of 74 to January of 80, and the song made it to number 10 in 16 weeks on the chart. Then, later in 75, there was a song called Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow, which was a theme from Beretta. And now this is one that had multiple versions over the years. This first one that charted was by Mary Clayton, and if you know her name, she was a very well-regarded backup singer in the 60s and 70s. And the song was written by Dave Grusin. And in the actual show, Beretta, in season one, it was an instrumental theme. And then later the lyrics were added. And it was actually the Sammy Davis Jr. version, which was aired. But other versions that charted included... So, okay, so Mary Clayton's version, first to chart, made it to number 45 in the summer and fall of 75. And then in the spring of 76, uh, Rhythm Heritage, which is a group of kind of session musicians, kind of a funk R&B group, uh, they did their instrumental version of Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow, made it to number 20. And then finally, the Sammy Davis Jr. version 
Uh, that one hit what they call the bubbling under charts for about five weeks, and it peaked at number 101. I'd like to thank Jeffrey at the VJ Big Suit Show for providing that information for me. And he points out that it did also hit number 42 on the adult contemporary chart. Up next is another one that was done by Rhythm Heritage. And uh, this was the theme from SWAT. Uh, that was reached number one. And it was the first TV theme ever to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It was composed by Barry Devorzon. And SWAT TV show was a spinoff of The Rookies. It ran from February of 75 to April of 76. So then once we get into 76, 1976, the TV theme craze really kicks into high gear. Next up is Welcome Back, which is a theme from Welcome Back Cotter, performed by John Sebastian from the band Love and Spoonful. I was, I was researching these themes, you know, going back into the six, 50s and 60s and through the 70s. You keep seeing like the same names over and over again as far as in the producers and the songwriters and even the musicians. And Steve Barry, B-A-R-R-I, was a name I kept seeing over and over as a producer and a musician. And he was behind this one as well as uh, SWAT. Welcome Back, Cotter aired from September of 75 through May of 79. And this song also reached number one. Uh, then uh, Happy Days, the theme for that was uh, originally they re-recorded the uh, Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets, but then for the second season on, they had a new theme called Happy Days done by Pratt and McLean. Oddly enough, the original version of Rock Around the Clock charted and recharted in 74 after it had originally come out in 55, and then that Happy Days Pratt and McLean version made it to number five in 14 weeks on the chart in the spring of 1976. Happy Days aired from January of 74 all the way through July of 84. Um, and then we had a spin-off of Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and their theme song was sung by Cindy Greco, and that made it to number 25 in the spring and summer of 76. And the song was actually called Making Our Dreams Come True. And uh, I was, unfortunately, in my opinion, it does not have the, you know, the single does not have the hopscotch chant at the beginning performed by Laverne and Shirley, Penny Marshall and Cindy Williams. I think a missed opportunity there. That'd be kind of fun. And that was written by Charles Fox and Norman Gimble. Laverne and Shirley aired from January of 76 through May of 1983. The next one I want to mention is called Nadia's Theme as from the Young and the Soap Opera, The Young and the Restless. And Young and the Restless debuted on March 26th of 73, and that is still running. And then this one's kind of a gray area because it gained in popularity. It was, you know, it was a well-known song from the soap, but then it got reused for the 76 Olympics for some of Nadia Comaneci's performances. It was never, she never performed to it at the Olympics, but like they re-edited some of her best footage and presented it with that theme. So then it became, it was originally called Cotton's Dream, then it became known as Nadia's Theme. So it did chart very highly and it was because of television, but not from being the Young and Restless theme. So that's why I'm calling that a gray area. Made it to number eight in 22 weeks on the chart in the summer of 76. Another one, that's, this is a TV miniseries, so it's not necessarily the same as a TV show theme song you're hearing every week, but uh, when Roots came out in January of 1977, Quincy Jones and Gerald Freed did the music for that one, and then Quincy Jones released an album of music from and inspired by the miniseries, and he hit the charts with his Roots medley, which was composed of Motherland and theme from Roots, that made it to number 57 in seven weeks on the chart. Quincy Jones and the other composer, uh, Gerald Freed, won an Emmy for their music work on the miniseries. Also in 77, uh, Charlie's Angels theme hit the charts. That show aired from September of 76 to June of 81. 
and it was simply called Theme from Charlie's Angels, performed by Henry Mancini, and that was the final Hot 100 appearance for Henry Mancini. Starsky and Hutch aired from the fall of 75 to the spring of 79. They aired three distinct versions of their theme over those years. One of them by Rhythm Heritage made the adult contemporary and R&B charts in the fall of 77, but nothing on the pop chart. And then finally, the last two I want to talk about, both have connection to Saturday Night Fever. I guess early spring, late winter, early spring of 79, there was a TV show called Making It, and it was sort of loosely based or inspired by Saturday Night Fever, as far as, you know, it's this young guy loves to dance, and this was considered a flop show. It only aired for eight weeks in February and March of 79. I read, in 2002, TV Guide ranked Making It at number 40 on the list of 50 worst TV shows of all time. Some may say 2002 was too early to make that call, but uh, after that, David Naughton still continued in entertainment, and he actually appeared in the movie American Werewolf in London, and you can hear a Mary vs. Movies episode about that movie. And then the last one is a show called Angie, and it's themed Different Worlds, which is performed by Marie McGovern. That hit the charts in July of 79. Made it to number 18. Oh, sorry. To go back, Making It was a number five hit, and it was on the charts all summer, even after the show had been canceled. So Angie aired from February of 79 to September of 80, and the theme made it to number 18. This was a show that starred Donna Pescal, who had played Annette in Saturday Night Fever. She played a waitress who marries a doctor, and it's kind of a culture clash of their families. There's more things I could talk about for this. Songs that were not really TV themes, but were related to TV shows. I'll save that for another time. In honor of Andy's guest, I looked up about the Muppet Show theme, and I learned that was released as a single in the UK. However, it didn't chart, but they did have Halfway Down the Stairs appear on the pop charts over there, and the two Muppet Show soundtrack albums appeared on the UK charts. Uh, Menomina was released as a US single, from what I could tell on Discogs. However, that did not chart. Oddly enough, Ernie made the charts from Sesame Street with his song Rubber Ducky, and that actually went to number 16 in nine weeks in the middle of 1970. Thanks so much for listening. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. As always, awesome stuff. This has been episode 277 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Zach Walliner. Thank you, Wally Wackyman. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace. <laughs>